We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And I just want to start this podcast off with some words of encouragement, you know, because, you know, it's the holiday season. Maybe you're stressing. Maybe you're out and about trying to buy gifts in an overcrowded store where around people that haven't showered and maybe you're just having a rough day. Maybe things are a little stressful at work. You'd wish you'd gotten more time off. Somebody called you in on Christmas Eve. I, I, you know, you know where we're going with this. I don't know. But just in case traffic was bad on the way home or traffic is bad on the way to work, as you listen to this, I want you to know that just in case you're having a bad day, just know in your heart that you are not a Jets fan sitting in the rain watching Zach Wilson play quarterback, chanting that you want Joe Flacco, and then getting Chris Strebler, and then losing to the Jaguars 19-3, to while your second overall pick from two years ago Goes 9 of 18 for 92 yards and one interception. So, again, if you're just, you know, if you're a 49ers fan and you're just having a rough day, just know that you could always be a Jets fan and it could always be worse. But shout out to Robert Sala because he's a good dude. <laughs> How y'all doing? I figured I'd lead 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 you off with just a little bit of of motivation, some kind words, just just to kind of you know grab you by your bootstraps and help help pick you up. But we're we're creeping up on Christmas. I'm recording this on December twenty second. You know the weather is cool. See, I, I I saw a lot of people on Twitter like today for some reason like complaining about the cold or something like I don't am I the only one that just absolutely loves this time of year now look I get it I'm if you're from the Bay Area you're probably not even really dealing with it the weather probably barely changes but I mean I'm from Fresno and I like 50 degrees a hell of a lot better than I like 115 degrees so anyways just I hope you're staying warm to me that's what I've always looked at it like look if it's cold I could put on more clothes I'll put on my little compression pants I'll put on my my jeans that are like, you know, that are lined with this like warming material. I'll put on my longer socks, you know, I'll put on a couple shirts and a hoodie over it. And I'm golden. Like I feel great walking around. It's like being in bed and you the room being cool, but having covers over you. That's how I see the winter. But in the summer, I can't like walk around in my boxers because it's so damn hot. 
You know, you can only take off so many clothes before you find yourself in jail. So it's like, that's why I prefer the winter. I can just not be overheating. But again, this is a, a very narrow point of view coming from a Central Valley boy. But you guys, you know, if you're on the Bay Area, if you're at the Bay Area, then I don't even know how much your weather fluctuates when winter rolls around. Maybe you get more fog. I don't know. But it's just a lot of people complaining about the cold. And I'm just like, man, I love it. It was like my very ignorant perspective when Levi Stadium first opened and everybody was freaking out about the heat. And I was coming from Fresno, coming from like 105 degrees to 85 degrees. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And then they were like, hey, somebody died from this heat. And I'm like, what? Huh? I, I, coach, I coach football in this heat every day. What do you mean somebody died from it? But it was just, you know, it's what you're used to, right? It's what you're, how you're raised, where you're bred. And, and obviously, if you're going from a place that 65 is considered hot, and now you're in 85, then your body's probably freaking out. Whereas me, I was coming from a place that's 105 during the preseason, and now it's 85, and I'm like, man, this is incredible. So it's all about perspective. But I don't know. What do you guys? I like cool weather. I like the fact that I can just wear more clothes, stay warm, but also it be cool. The the PG&E bill goes down. But again, now, now I'm exposing myself because in the Bay Area, some of y'all don't even have air conditionings. When in Fresno, and air conditioning is like your your savior. So anyways, we've been on this for too long. It's been five minutes. Thank you for, if you're already still here. But since we were last here, a, a lot has happened. You know, the 49ers had that mini by. Their last game was on Thursday night football, uh, you know, beating the Seahawks to win the division. Since we were last here, the Vikings completed the biggest comeback in NFL history to, 40, to hold the 49ers off from the Number two seed. If the Vikings would have lost that game to the Colts right now, they would be 10 and four tied with the 49ers. But the 49ers have a better conference record, which would give them the number two seed, meaning currently they would be aligned to face um, the commanders in the playoffs. I can never not say that and not think of Galaxy Quest every time when I have to verbally say commanders. I think of Galaxy Quest. It's horrible. It's like a curse. So the Vikings come back from what was it, 33 to 0? Unbelievable. Insane. Can't believe it. I, I even remember at halftime, like, okay, Vikings lost. There's just no way a team can come back from 33 to 0 in the NFL against an NFL defense. Well, oh, there they come. And so the 49ers are still behind the Vikings for the number two seed for now. But we talked about it. The Vikings have a schedule that opens them up to, you know, they, they got to play Green Bay at Green Bay, I believe. Um, I want to confirm that, though. I don't want to just spew things out. Um, so there is definitely some room for the 49ers to catch the Vikings and get that number two seed, which, like we said, it's important because it basically makes it to where the 49ers won't have to go anywhere for a playoff game unless it's for the Eagles. Those are the, that's the only team in the playoffs that could force the 49ers to move to travel, and that would only be until the NFC Championship game because that's the first time the one and two seed can meet. So, huge deal. Big deal. Big deal. But again, are the 49ers scared of traveling like to Minnesota? I'm not sure they would be. I don't know. I think a lot of people think Minnesota's kind of fraudulent. But, hey, man, everybody, everybody gets hot every now and then. So, again, Minnesota has to play the Giants this week on Saturday. Then they have the next week after they are traveling to Green Bay and then they are traveling to the Bears. And we just saw the Bears give the Eagles a run for their money. The Packers just smacked around the Rams, but 49ers know what that's all about. And then the Giants are, are another playoff team. So some, some interesting situations that may present themselves for the Niners when it comes to the Vikings. On that note, Kyle Shanahan said no one is getting rested before the playoffs. And I, I, once the 49ers clinched the division, I saw a lot of that. And I tend to agree with Kyle Shanahan. One, you're still very much in play for that number two seed. And it's very important. Again, having a home game versus a road game, no one needs to explain to you how important that is. And what if uh, the Eagles, some, you know, they're, they're about to start Gardner Minshew, but what if they somehow start slipping a little bit? I think they only need to win like one game of their last three to officially claim that number one seed. But you never know. 
you never know where. Well, I mean, I don't even know when when Jalen Hurts is planning on being back. We'll see. But with football, man, like football, it, my best way of quantifying not resting players is like think of a game. Like think of a game in and of itself, and how much momentum can swing that game and putting together good plays and just kind of staying locked in and and pulling yourself through a game. It's kind of the same way with the season. Like to me, you start taking days off, you start taking Sundays off and you start losing the reason you got there in the first place. You start losing that edge. You start losing that just slight, just bit of assholeness that took you to this point. And I think the 49ers could do nothing better than to just continue to impress, impose their will on opponents, build their brand. You know, it's obviously you're risking injury to some key players, but Kyle Shanahan just basically scoffed at the idea. He's like, look, most of the people that rest before the playoffs are the people that struggle in the playoffs. So it seems like it's full steam ahead for the 49ers. They're not even thinking about it which I think is the right call. The 49ers very much still have stuff to play for. They can get the number two seed. And think about this. What if the Eagles lose in the playoffs, surprisingly, because they look like such a good team, then the 49ers are hosting the NFC Championship game if they make it that far. I mean, that is massive. So it's a lot to play for. I mean, I was there when the 49ers played the Packers in the NFC Championship game, obviously to go to the Super Bowl. And that place was popping i've still got some videos on my phone from it that place was roaring and that was a legitimate home field advantage and so that is very much something that's still in the focus so i just think the 49ers should continue to do what they do and not to mention the fact just you're gaining additional reps for brock Purdy. now again you never want to talk about the uh knocking the getting hurt aspect of football but i think the 49ers are making the right decision and in going forward, um, Javon Kinlaw. Actually, before we get to Javon Kinlaw, let's get to the uh, let's get to the injury report. Um, do I got? I thought I had the one from the official 49ers side. I'll just stick with this one. Um, obviously, out Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, defensive lineman Kevin Givens, wide receiver Debo Samuel. Now, an interesting comment from Kyle Shanahan today said that if the 49ers were desperate, meaning they were like in the playoffs, Debo Samuel would have a chance. So that's a great sign. I mean, the 49ers still have, what, what do they have, three games left? Do they have three games left? Well, yeah, they're 10-4, and four, so that's it's 14. I just, I brain fart all the time. I mean, you guys know this. You have to listen to me all the time. So, But the 49ers having three games left, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals, the fact that Debo Samuel could possibly play today, that's a great sign. That means that that he should be 100% ready for the playoffs. And the 49ers don't have to rush him back. They might not be in a situation where they consider themselves desperate from here on out. I consider the 49ers heavy favorites over the over the last three teams. What are the 49ers favored by over Washington? I never pay too much attention of betting odds and stuff, but I know other people do. 49ers betting odds. Let's just see. Um, I mean, this is a day ago. Let's take a look. I know y'all y'all might care about this. Um, I'm just trying to see where it says where uh, what the 49ers are fav- favored by. Seven and a half points. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Favored by more than a touchdown. So, yeah, that's, that's a pretty significant... Uh, and I think that that's going to be the case for their next three games. I mean, Raiders, Cardinals, uh, Raiders, or God, who knows what you're going to get with them. And then the Cardinals, you know, you lost Kyler Murray, I believe. What's his name? I believe their quarterback just got hurt, Colt McCoy. I don't know if it was bad, but they're taking it in the chin over there. So the 49ers should be heavily favored. They're going to move through this, uh, and and it's good to know that Debo Samuel can kind of just rest up. Questionable for the game against the Commanders. Defensive lineman Kerry Hyder, ankle. Running back Jordan Mason, hamstring. Defensive back Tarverius Moore, illness slash knee. Cornerback Ambria Thomas, angle. And quarterback Tarverius Ward is still in the concussion protocol, but it seems like he is uh, trending towards playing and being cleared for the game. Uh, not listed on the injury report is quarterback Brock Purdy, 
So he's, you know, in terms of the injury report, fully healed from that rib oblique injury. Uh, running back Christian McCaffrey, not on the injury report for his knee anymore. And defensive lineman Eric Armstead is not on the injury report for his foot or ankle anymore. So uh, I'm not exactly sure who, I mean, they haven't been ruled out yet. Uh, I'm not sure from that list of questionable players. It seems like Kerry Hyder will probably be able to go. We'll see. Uh, it's just uh, obviously that big one there is Stravarius Ward with the uh, concussion protocol. But I haven't heard anything or seen anything from uh, Shanahan to allude to the fact that he won't be able to make it. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is expected to make his return. Uh, the 49ers opened up his practice window, haven't officially activated him from injured reserve, but they are expected to before the game. Uh, I mean, if 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 Kinlaw can shake the rust off fairly quickly, then that's a that's a big that's a significant addition. You're now seeing, you know, the 49ers defensive line get back to its original form with Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa, Samson Ibukam, uh, you know, Drake Jackson, all these guys that are starting to Charles Umenahu. It's gonna be if all of those guys can be healthy rolling into the playoffs. Now, this is a good time too to uh this is a good time for the 49ers to start throwing Javon Kinlaw back into the mix because with three games left, theoretically, he could be pretty well back acclimated to the game before they start hitting the playoffs. So good for them. Good for them. That's, uh, you know, we never really know what to expect with Javon Kinlaw. He's had his, his, his highs, he's had his lows, but in, at this point, all you want to see is healthy games from a, from a, from a guy who was drafted as high as he was at so far, it just hasn't panned out. And that's not necessarily any fault of his own. He's just consistently battled leg injuries. Um, the 49ers also began uh, the practice window for Kalia Davis, who was on the non-football injury list, meaning he was injured before the, before he showed up for the 49ers. Uh, he tore his ACL in his senior season at UCF, or his last season at UCF, and now he's finally getting back to practice. Um, a real, you know, just one of those stereotypical – Real small, stout defensive lineman. Small, stout, quick defensive lineman. Uh, just like the 49ers have had in the past. So we'll see how when he's supposed to get into the mix. But the 49ers at this point would 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 be perfectly happy with having any number of defensive linemen that they can throw into the rotation, especially with the injuries to Hassan Ridgeway, to Kevin Gibbons. So that's that's a that's a position where they need some help, and they're getting it. Oh, and another positive. Started out with positive. Let's hit another positive. The 49ers had six players make the Pro Bowl. Some some obvious snubs, but still, I mean, six players getting on the Pro Bowl. That kind of speaks to the strength of the 49ers roster. Speaks to the the ability to uh, to find personnel in John Lynch, the front office, and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the six that you have are left tackle Trent Williams. This is his 10th Pro Bowl. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk, this is his seventh Pro Bowl. Tied in George Kittle, his fourth. Nick Bosa, his third. Fred Warner, his second. And making his NFL Pro Bowl debut is safety Talano Hufunga. Good for him, man. That's a surprise. And I knew he was going to get his shot. I knew he was going to be penciled in to be the starter this year. But I did not know that he was going to come out firing like that you know and he, i think that the eye test tells me he's kind of tapered off as the season got on i mean he's he, that's that's the nfl man all they have to do is just see a few weeks of tape and they can make some very solid adjustments but at the same time he's still been very 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 good and it's uh it's encouraging to kind of let go of somebody who was uh as as well entrenched as Jaquaski tart and Talano Hufunga has just filled in masterfully, you know, and and still a very young player in his second second season, right? Might be third, but I'm pretty sure it's second. You know, whatever. Second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So good for him, you know. Obviously, there are, to me, when I looked at that list, I was like, how many bests at their position are on that list? Trent Williams, pretty much unquestionably the best left tackle in the NFL. Kyle Juszczyk, unquestionably the best fullback in the NFL. George Kittle, depending on who you ask, could be the best tight end in the NFL. But I think Travis Kelsey is, has earned what he has. You know, and, and Travis Kelsey would tell you, oh, I think George Kittle is better than me because of what George Kittle does in every other facet of the game. But I think that Travis Kelsey's receiving numbers are just so dominant that it kind of eclipses everything else that George Kittle does. And that's not a slight. Obviously, if Travis Kelsey's the best, George Kittle is number two. And it's not like I'm saying he's he's got problems. but And it obviously helps to have a, a Patrick Mahomes throwing you the football. So, again. Back on track. Trent Williams, best left tackle. Kyle Juszczyk, best fullback. George Kittle, top two tight end. Nick Bosa, best pass rusher in the NFL. Is, is he there yet? Is he there now? We'll get to a little bit more of, of Nick Bosa's details, but, I mean, he is, I, come on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Nick Bosa. I think that you could at least make an argument that he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. And right now, I believe he's the favorite for defensive player of the year. So another player that you could say is a best. And then you've got Fred Warner. Plenty of people would say Fred Warner's the best linebacker in the NFL. And if not, he's up there, obviously. Dalano Hufanga just stepping into the picture, earning his keep as a, uh, as a Pro Bowl safety. But, I mean, look at that. You've got five players that you can at least make an argument that they are the absolute best at their position. All players that the 49ers have either drafted or made it a priority to acquire. They traded for Trent, Trent Williams. Kyle Juszczyk was one of their premier free agent signings when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch first stepped into the building. That little Pro Bowl roster is, an, is, a, is a tip of the hat to the 49ers' ability to draft talent. And then you've got other players sitting around on the team that have been acquired by, by this group. You know, you've got Brandon Ayuk, obviously uh, an outstanding receiver that, by the way, they released this little chart. And it, it was a little chart, you know, kind of around the, you know, like the old fuck around and find out chart. But it was how often Brandon Ayuk gets open versus how often he's targeted. And Brandon, where Brandon Ayuk was on the chart, he gets open a lot, but he's not targeted enough. So hopefully we can get more Brandon Ayuk more involved. I think he's going to be the last player on the a playmaker on the offense to build chemistry with Brock Purdy. He's the furthest player away. That's as simple as I'm making. 
Brock, if Brock Purdy wants to connect with Ayuk, he's got to throw the ball that much further, and that's not always easy. You know, that's why him and George Kittle have been on fire a, a portion of the reason. So again, not even on the Pro Bowl roster, you've got Brandon Ayuk, you've got Debo Samuel, you've got Christian McCaffrey. You know, that, and that's those are players that didn't even make the Pro Bowl that are all on the team having an impact. And you've got players on on defense like Eric Armstead, Aziz Al Shair, Dre Greenlaw, one of the biggest snubs in the NFL, Charvarius Ward, Jimmy Ward. Like there are so many great players on the 49ers roster that didn't make the Pro Bowl, which should tell you why the 49ers are 10 and 4 and have won what, seven in a row? That's, I mean, that should make you feel pretty good about the hands that the 49ers are in when it comes to John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and everybody else up at that front office. The Pro Bowl now is it's February 5th. It's at the Las Vegas Stadium. There's no game this year. Uh, they're gonna there's like a, a bunch of skills competitions, non-contact flag football game. That actually sounds fun to watch. No one ever cared at all about the Pro about the Pro Bowl, but that actually sounds fun. I want to see some skills stuff. I want to see some dudes flex what they can do. And maybe make it goofy every now and then, and then flag football will be fun to watch. Your boy used to seriously dominate some flag football. Just saying. I was like, the, they used to call me Dallas Clark. Because I was like a kind of, a, I played kind of like a tight end role. I'm not small. I'm 6'1", 230 pounds. And, you know, that, that I was playing against a bunch of dudes that were much younger and faster than me. But I always found a way to get open. I never dropped the ball. And I scored a lot of tutties. Just saying, hey, man. Flag football over there at Todd Beamer Park, Fresno, California. Y- y'all meet me on the grass. Anyways, that was stupid. Biggest snubs on that list, obviously, is Christian McCaffrey and Dre Greenlaw. Both of them are just at the apex of their positions. I understand that if you look at any one stat particular to Christian McCaffrey, his rushing, his receiving, it's not like mind blowing because of the player he is. But if you're talking about scrimmage yards, He's already over a thousand, you know, so Christian McCaffrey is, you know, that to me is, is a pretty big snub. That is also what Kyle Juszczyk said is the, is the biggest snub. He got on there and was like, I don't understand how this guy is not on the pro ball roster. Um, and I think, did I have that? Didn't I say? Yeah. So since joining the 49ers, in seven games, when did I send this to myself? December 13th? Okay. No, I think that, okay. So you've got 426 rushing yards and 316 receiving yards. You've got a total of six touchdowns. You've got a, you threw a passing touchdown. And, and then you add, those are just since joining the 49ers. If you add in the stats from the Panthers, he's over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. It's expanded over the season. McCaffrey would be in the neighborhood of 1,000 yards rushing. 750 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. And the dude didn't make the Pro Bowl. I think we talked about this last pod as well as the picture below it that says Willem Fuck, But I'll let you guys search that up yourselves. Uh, Dre Greenlaw has... We talked about this. I'm not patting myself in the back here. But we talked about this much earlier in the pod, in the season, saying that Dre Greenlaw was starting to creep up on Fred Warner. And I'm not sure he's officially there yet. But he is, this season has been every good as Fred. Every bit, every bit is good. So that's, a, a, to not even be an alternate, it would have been cool if Dre Greenlaw was the alternate to Fred Warner in the Pro Bowl. But to not even be an alternate, to not even be selected, that's that's a little hard to believe. That's a little hard to believe in, when, when it comes to old Dre Greenlaw. And the fact that I think it was Kyle Madsen, homie over at Candlestick Chronicles, tweeted this out. I'm going to go find the tweet. I retweeted it. Let me go Let me go find it. Big takeaway on 49ers Seahawks rewatch. Dre Greenlaw for two years, $16 million is insane. And it is. I mean, the 49ers deserve that pat on the back too. Getting Dre Greenlaw re-signed before this season just seems like an absolute, whoo, you know, like, damn, because he has broken out officially. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's played in 13 games. He has 111 tackles with three games left, three tackles for loss. Does he have any sacks? No quarterback hits. Two fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles, 
six pass breakups, one interception. I mean, the dude is absolutely lighting it up. Let's let's get Fred. Let's compare it to Fred Warner. And again, I still believe that Fred Warner is the man of that defense. I believe Fred Warner is the man on the defense. Like as as crazy as this sounds. I would have a tougher time envisioning that defense succeeding without Fred Warner than I would Nick Bosa. That is is insane. <laughs> it is. I understand that a pass rusher is the absolute most important position on defense. Um, I get that. Trust me. Uh, you don't have to scoff at me that much. But it's just like Fred Warner just seems like the heart and soul. You know, the very center of that hot core is Fred Warner. Maybe right next to him is Nick Bosa. But what I'm trying to say is he's hella important. All right. Now, let's just combine basic stats. Basic stats don't tell the whole picture. Total tackles, Fred Warner has 98. Dre Greenlaw has 111. Solo, 75. Fred Warner, 61. Quarterback hits, Fred Warner, 6. Dre Greenlaw, 0. So obviously Fred Warner is their, their blitzer for sure. For sure. Fred Warner has three tackles for loss. Dre Greenlaw has three tackles for loss. Uh, Dre Greenlaw has two fumble recoveries. Fred Warner has zero. Fred Warner has one forced fumble. Dre Greenlaw has two. Fred Warner has ten pass breakups. Ten pass breakups. Dre Greenlaw has six. So that's your that's your coverage advantage right there. That's a significant gap. Fred Warner has one interception. Dre Greenlaw has one interception. So you can see from a basic surface level statistical analysis, which is not even really any analysis at all, analysis at all, Dre Greenlaw is, is, is he's here. He is him. And to see him be right there with Fred Warner, it legitimately is another, I don't know how the 49ers do this, but it legitimately is another Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. They are playing at that level. That's why this defense is that good. There are plenty of respectable people out to you that out there that would tell you that this defense is better than any defense the 49ers have ever fielded, no matter which one you think is your favorite. So, I mean, damn. So Dre Greenlaw not making the Pro Bowl. It's kind of nuts. Kind of nuts. Nick Bosa, the NFL did like a NFL exec poll essentially voted. Nick Bosa was voted uh, by defensive player, voted defensive player of the year by NFL execs, which is it's it's significant. He out he got he got outvoted for. He got outvoted by me. He outvoted Mika Parsons. I don't know why I'm struggling so much to say that. What am I trying to say? Here we go. Nick Bosa received twice as many votes as Mika Parsons. There we go. <laughs> Just needed to take a step back. So that is a very strong nod. Nick Bosa now leads the odds for Defensive Player of the Year. It doesn't surprise me at all that NFL executives believe that. I believe the 49ers are going to believe that. A little quote from an executive, even when he's not getting stat sheet production, he gets quiet production too. Usually you're either a make-a-mess guy or a cleanup guy. He's both. He's fun to watch. Okay, So it looks like Nick Bosa is, is on a path towards claiming the defensive player of the year, which what, has probably gone to Aaron Donald? How many years in a row? I mean... Maybe not that many years in a row, but I mean, he's always kind of considered the defensive player of the year. This is the first year where it's pretty, pretty clear that Nick Bose is the man. And again, he's doing this in a contract year. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing how much the 49ers pay him. It's going to be awesome. No one's going to care because he's that good, but it's going to be awesome. In addition um, to Nick Bosa being voted by NFL execs as defensive player of the year. Again, that's not the official one, but it has some weight. Second place for coach of the year is none other than Kyle Shanahan. He was the runner-up to Nick Sirianni of the Eagles, which I can understand, but I do believe Kyle Shanahan has legitimate, and, and it was close too. Sirianni got seven and a half votes and Kyle Shanahan got six. 
But Kyle Shanahan has some legitimate coach of the year credentials. And depending on how the playoffs go, that vote could definitely swing. But you're talking about winning seven straight games, winning the NFC West with multiple games left to play, and fielding three different quarterbacks throughout the season and the team being good with all three. I know we didn't get to see much of Trey Lance, but I feel like the team would have would have done every bit as well. But I know that's bold of me, but the fact that he started three quarterbacks this year and this team is 10 as four and has won a seven in a row is, is pretty unbelievable. And obviously the man he's starting now, Brock Purdy, the very last pick of the draft is a rookie. I mean, that's, it's not, I don't think it's unheard of, but it's still pretty damn unbelievable. So Kyle Shanahan getting respect as uh, from around the league as a coach of the year. Doesn't surprise me. He's earned it for sure. But Hey, keep tweeting fire Shanahan. You weirdos. All right. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the reason we're here. I mean, we're we're here for 49ers shit, but 49ers commanders coming up on Saturday. It's not on Sunday. It's not on Sunday. It's on Saturday. I uh, <laughs> I've told you guys this story before, but I just will never forget. I will never forget being I was a a, a member on a 49ers group on Facebook. This was years ago, maybe 10 years ago, while I was in El Paso in the military. And this, the 49ers, I want to say they played the Rams on Thursday night football and won. And then on Sunday, this dude posts in this group, got like, and it was like a picture of his chair. And he's like, I got all my, my gear, and my drinks ready for game day. Go Niners. <laughs> the 49ers had played on Thursday. The replies were unbelievable. Somewhere on one of my hard drives is a screenshot called the greatest screenshot ever taken. And it is of that post. And I need to find it forever for all of our sakes because it was it was incredible. And I think I replied and all I said was 49ers played on Thursday. But that was all that needed to be said. All right. 49ers commanders. Now, what's interesting is I was talking to KP about the commanders uh, earlier last week, and I said I the the commanders. God, I can't. I just can't keep saying that. Washington reminds me of the 49ers. Now, obviously, they're nowhere near as good a team as the 49ers, but just their overall makeup and how they play the game. They're they're they remind me of like a 49ers light. You've got a, a host of good, talented receivers. You've got two or three good, talented running backs. You've got a quarterback that probably shouldn't be starting, but is because Carson Wentz sucks, and and you can tell that that team rolls behind Taylor Heineke. The defense is stout. It's not 49ers stout, but it's solid. Um, and it's just, it's, a, it's just a cool team. I, I understand that they have what might be the – biggest POS owner in the league. And that's saying a lot. Um, But in terms of their makeup on the field, they're coached by Ron Rivera, who I love. I mean, if you haven't seen that video of him giving out the pro bowl selections to players, you got to see it, man. I mean, talking about a guy that beat cancer, that just has the heart and soul of the team. And, And even one of the guys who won who'd been on and off that roster a hundred times this season, who made the Pro Bowl as a special teamer, um, just told him told him straight to his face. He said, I'd, I'd run through a brick wall for you, coach. And he said, I know you will. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot to like about the team on the field from Washington. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the higher-ups, but the people that are on the team, I like. I like the way the team plays football. If Washington had a top 10 quarterback, Maybe even top 15. If Washington had like a Jimmy Garoppolo, we'll give him that. Of this season's Jimmy Garoppolo, this team would be hot. I think they would be much closer to what the 49ers are doing. But they're fielding Tanner, Taylor Heineke, who's not horrible. He's doing his best out there. But if this this team has all the pieces to, to be a very solid team other than their ups and downs at quarterback, it would not surprise me if they were – they signed Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, and I believe they were probably what seemed like the strongest suitor in the offseason before Jimmy Garoppolo stuck around. 
anyways, when you're when you're talking about on offense, I believe I believe they have they had four players make the Pro Bowl. Terry McLaurin made it. Tressway, their punter, their special teamer made it. And I thought they had one more. I thought it was a defensive guy, but I'm not sure. So they're a solid team. Terry McLaurin is an outstanding receiver. He made the Pro Bowl. He's kind of like the face of the franchise. Whenever a receiver is kind of like the face of the franchise, you know he's doing a thing, both on and off the field. I'm a huge Terry McLaurin guy. Um, and that's going to be Charvarius Ward's problem all game. The Ward has been one of those guys for the 49ers that will follow receivers, and I would expect him to follow McLaurin. I would. Hopefully he doesn't follow him too closely. I am in the semifinals of my fantasy football league. I would like for McLaurin to just catch a pass or two, but let's not get it twisted. Within reason. Within reason. Okay? But that's that's Ward's problem. They've got respectable weapons. Like I said, Taylor Heineke, not that bad. He can He can beat you. That's probably the best way of putting it. He can beat you. Now he's going to have his hands full, but y'all get what I'm saying. You've got running back Brian Robinson, who straight up got shot, came back, and was an outstanding football player. Curtis Samuel, their version. Again, a lot of similarities. A a, a Debo Samuel-type player. He can get carries. He can make catches. He can make plays. Not nearly as dangerous as Debo, but he plays sort of that role. You've also got, like, their Brandon Ayuk, and I guess their Brandon Ayuk would be Terry McLaurin. But then you've got, I don't know, whoever you consider the second best receiver on the 49ers, uh, Jahan Dotson, their new rookie. I mean, he had a huge game against the Giants, four catches, 105 yards, touchdown. I believe it was their only touchdown of the game. He's, you know, he's a guy that can that can hurt you, and he's going he's gonna to be matched up against your second best corner, and he's not somebody that you can just ignore. You know that that's he was the he was the leading receiver. He had the same amount of targets as McLaurin against the Giants. Two less catches, but thirty five more yards. Sixty one yarder where he went up and over the safety, head topped him um, for a big catch, and then he scored just a little bit later. Their passing game as a whole, though, it's kind of mid, as the kids say. They're not. They're, nothing statistically is impressive about. Washington's pass game. And that is not a slight against their weapons. They just, you know, they're trying to make it work with Taylor Heineke. Hopefully that did not pop up on the audio. My computer just told me that I, thankfully I don't have any virus threats. It's weird. They're like the, the Washington's offense is like inverse of the 49ers. They're actually in terms of 40 plus yard plays. They, they actually are towards the top of the NFL, but in terms of 20 plus yard plays, they're towards the bottom of the NFL, where the 49ers are are uh, near the top of the NFL in terms of plays over 20 yards through the air. But they don't have very many 40-plus plays, and that's kind of a deep threat thing. But Kyle Shanahan likes to scheme guys open and get those little chunk plays. So it's kind of a weird thing. They, they, the Washington can, make, can have big plays. They're up there in terms of big play numbers. But when you're talking about that middle, that 20-plus yard gain, the 49ers are, are far outweigh them. It's like a weird kind of inverse offense type of thing. In terms of a rushing offense, their yardage is similar right down there in the middle of the league. They only, they, you know, they, they average 4.2 yards per carry, which is kind of like bottom half. They've only got seven rush t- rushing touchdowns on the season. If we go over here to football outsiders, uh, let me go back to the offense. I've got it on defense right now. Um, if you don't know what DVOA is, the best way that I can describe it is they heavily take into account because Football Outsiders has really established themselves statistically as the website for the go-to DVOA stat, which is all based on average. It's all based on averages. It's it also is based on situations. You know how. So when I say averages, I mean how above average is that team at that individual stat, or below average are they in that individual stat? But it, it, there's there here's kind of the, the, how they explain it in terms of situations. Five yards on third and four is worth more than five yards on first and ten, and way more than five yards on third and twelve. Red zone plays are worth more than any other plays. Uh, performance is ju- also adjusted for the quality of the opponent. 
DVOA is a percentage. So a team with a DVOA of 10% is 10% better than the average team. And a quarterback with a DVOA of 9 is 20% is 20% worse than the average quarterback. So it's it's a cool stat. I like it because it takes those situations into account. And But when you're talking about DVOA, the 49ers are, are DVOA babies. They are they are doing okay. In terms of just total DVOA on offense, the 49ers are top 10 with 9.2%. And you've got KC chilling up there with 24%. Philadelphia, 18%. Miami, 17%. Um, Buffalo, 16%. So those are the heavy hitters on offense. The 49ers still ninth place, 9.2%. That's essentially 10% better than your average NFL offense. And then if you go down here, you've got Washington, who is at negative 13%. That means they're 13% less effective than your average NFL offense. And you can break it down, passing DVOA. 49ers are in the top five. They are the fourth best team in passing DVOA with a 31.4%. So per their website and their analysis, the 49ers are 31% better passing the ball than your average NFL offense. And then you scroll down, you've got Washington, who is at negative 8%. So the big discrepancy to me here is on offense, the 49ers uh, are better in nearly every way, shape, or form. The two don't, the, the gap doesn't really narrow between the two until you get to rushing, which the 49ers are just underneath the league average at negative 5% and Washington's at negative 12%. So in terms of an offense, the 49ers are, are, are much better in basically every way, shape, or form. And then if you come over here on the defense, which we're about to get into, let's, let's just stick with that for now. Let's stick with that for now. So when it comes to the, the commander's offense, you've got basically, like I said, when I was describing their passing game, it's, it's kind of like mid. Everything is okay. Now, the dangerous thing about an okay team, kind of just like an okay quarterback, like we've learned with Jimmy Garoppolo, is they can be very good at times and they can be bad at times. So which one are you going to get? The odds for an elite 49ers defense is you're going to make them look bad, but it's a competent offense. I'll give them that. They've got the weapons. They've got an okay quarterback that's, I mean, okay for the situation he's in. It's just there's really not any one thing the Washington is good at that's good that the 49ers are going to have to worry about. If they play good defense, they should be okay against Washington's offense. Now, let's turn it around. You've got Chase defensive end Chase Young making his return since, I believe, of November of last year. That is a very talented football player getting to step on the field. And it's kind of like... I don't really know what to expect of Chase Young. There's kind of like this weird circle of of like what you might get from him. It's like I, on one hand, you've got the injury. He's recovering from an injury. This is his first game back. He put out a, a picture on like his Snapchat, I believe, or his Instagram. Um, I mean, do, do guys even use Snapchat anymore? Where both of his knees had huge braces on, and it was only supposed to be one knee but maybe they found damage in both knees, but both of his knees had huge braces and he had like those canes where you've got your, where it has a little thing that sticks out for your hand and you can kind of help yourself walk. So Chase Young's injuries were very significant. So you would expect for him to be on some type of snap count, you know, and is he going to be rusty, which all of those seem like a yes. Is he going to be on the snap count? Yes. Is he going to be rusty? Yes. But at the same time, you're talking about a guy who hasn't had to play football since last November. And he's been practicing. It's not like this is his first time hitting somebody. He's been practicing. But you're talking about a guy whose body does not have any of the wear and tear of this entire season. A very talented player just getting to step on the football field a bunch of against a bunch of guys that have already played 14 games. So there is an element, if, if I had to take my guess, is Chase Young going to be all that effective? I would guess not, especially if he's lined up across from Trent Williams. But again, you also have to respect the fact that his body hasn't had to endure 14 long weeks of football. You know, we're at the very end of the season now, and he's just now stepping in. So that's kind of an exciting prospect for 
Washington, just like Kinlaw coming back as an exciting prospect for the 49ers. But, you know, you're talking about a number one overall pick and an absolute, was he the number one overall pick? Chase Young, let me, why do I forget these things? Why do I suck? Why do I suck? Sorry for that sniff. Got away from me. Let me look. Was he a number one overall? No, two overall. Two overall. Oh, shame on you, Chase. Shame on you. So it's an interesting just dynamic there. I don't know what to expect from Chase Young. We'll see. Uh, I mean, that defensive front for Washington, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, you know, and those two guys account for like half the defense's sacks, and they're on the interior, which is even more impressive. So Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, whoever's playing at right guard, <laughs> they're rotating with that rotation there between Spencer Burford and uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. We'll see, man. We'll see. I just, I do not know what to expect there between Spencer Burford, Daniel Brunskill, Jake Brendel, Aaron Banks. They're going up against Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, and they've got to be on their shit because the last thing you want for a young quarterback to have to worry about is consistent interior pressure. Quarterbacks can step up in the pocket if, a, if an offensive tackle has to ride a guy around the edge, but interior pressure is tough. Interior pressure is tough. So that's a, a huge challenge for them. Huge challenge. Uh, you know, Aaron Banks is going to see a lot of Jonathan Allen, who's a very high draft pick, who's done very good things in the NFL. And uh, that's an interesting matchup for that guy. Aaron Banks has been solid this year, but that might be his uh, his marquee matchup so far. In terms of pa- the, the Washington's pass defense is solid. They've only allowed 62%, 6.3 yards per attempt, which is among the best in the league. In terms of yardage, they're top 10. Now they only have seven turnovers to so the 49ers 19. Let's go check in with the, uh, with the DVOA. In terms of total DOA, DVOA as a defense, the 49ers for context are 17.6% better than your average NFL defense. They lead, they lead the league in DVOA by about 3%. And then Washington is still on the negative side. Negative is good in terms of defense because you're taking away points. That's their way of describing it. Washington is 5% better than your average NFL defense. So they are they are in the top 10. They are number 10. So Washington's defense is no slouch. And then when you look at passing, they are right around. They're still in they're, – they're right around – that's not even middle of the league. They're maybe top half of the league with a 3.1%, and then against the run, which is where the 49ers are going to hope to make their money, Washington is among the best in the NFL. They are fourth in the NFL, and they are 15% better at stopping the run than your average NFL defense. The 49ers are above them at 23%, but in terms of of stifling the run, Washington is no joke, which tells me you're going to see a lot of little passes to Christian McCaffrey. They're almost trying to eclipse that front line of Washington. That defensive front is going to be eclipsed by a lot of little passes to Christian McCaffrey trying to get him out of space. The 49ers have great blocking receivers. I can guarantee you the 49ers are going to try and push that run game outside. I'm doing football hands right now, coaching hands, where you clench your fists and you kind of like move them around like they're little pieces. The 49ers are absolutely going to try and push that run game outside. Little screens, little dump-offs. Little uh, end arounds, little jets. It's it's gonna they're gonna try and circumvent the fact that Washington is pretty damn good at stopping the run, pretty damn good. And I think that is where the game plan is gonna lie for the 49ers. To me, this is gonna be a game where a lot falls on Brock Purdy. Either the 49ers just absolutely stunt on Washington and run the ball anyways, despite the fact that they're one of the best teams in the NFL at stopping it, or they're going to dink and dunk their way down the field. Uh, alienating the fact that Washington is a lot better at stopping the run than they are at, on the pass. Now, again, it's a solid defense. It's stingy, not quite Buccaneers level, but if the 49ers can do what they did to the Buccaneers, uh, they should be able to do what they want to Washington. But in terms of stopping the run, Washington is much better than any other defense that the 49ers have faced. I mean, actually, they're only one st- spot ahead of the Rams, but the 49ers just na- know the Rams so well. The Bucks, where are they at in terms of rust defense? 
Uh, bottom half of the league, I think. What they? Oh, they're TB. No, they're actually right around the top 10. So, all right. So, to me, when you're talking game plan, what do, what do the 49ers need to do? They've just got to have multitude of options for Brock Purdy within 0 to 10 yards. It seemed like they had no problem doing it against the Seahawks. I don't think they're going to have a problem doing it against Washington. Um, now, one thing that we mentioned earlier, Jordan Mason is questionable. He's the become the go-to change of pace back for the 49ers when Christian McCaffrey's carries are starting to get up there. Uh, he just was dealing with some hamstring tightness. We'll see what the 49ers have with him. Um, didn't really sense uh, too much concern from Kyle Shanahan, but we'll see. You never know what, how that stuff pans out, and they certainly don't want to risk his hamstring as they step towards the playoffs because hamstring injuries can be a month to recover. And there's only three games left for the 49ers. So, and my kind of like last takeaway from why this game could be a surprising, so could be surprisingly difficult for the 49ers is the Washington is trying to cling to a playoff spot right now. They are right there in the mix. Like I said, they are the number seven seed at seven, six, and one. Seattle is right behind them at seven and seven. Detroit is right behind them at seven and seven. Even Green Bay is six and eight. Washington is just barely clinging to that spot. I don't know um, in terms of conference record if Washington's conference record is four, five, and one. Seattle's is five and six. So which one's better? I'm assuming it automatically defaults to wins, right? Washington has less losses. Seattle has more wins. So I believe if Washington loses this game, they are, for that moment, out of the playoffs. I want to say they might drop all the way to number nine behind Detroit as well because the first tiebreaker in terms, if the records are the same, which for that, they would all have the similar records. Washington 7-6-1, Seattle 7-7, Detroit 7-7. Conference records is the tiebreaker when records are the same. And out of those three, Washington has the worst conference record. They're just holding on to the fact that they have one tie rather than a loss. So they're 7-6. and six. So they are clinging to the playoffs, and the 49ers are standing in their way. So don't be surprised if Washington comes out swinging and they give the 49ers a little bit more oomph than they're expecting. You bug around, Washington can beat you. They have the talent to do it. Things just have to go right for them. The 49ers could also annihilate them behind a decent offense and an elite defense. So that could also happen. But I think it's important to understand where Washington is. They're playing for a coach that they love with all their heart. They want to get into the playoffs because they probably believe they could surprise some fools. Then again, they just played the Giants and lost and didn't look great. So. It's just an interesting dynamic there with Washington and what they're hoping to do. So just, you know, just acknowledge it. Be like Bill Belichick and treat every opponent like they're just capable of of destroying you just to make sure you don't lose your edge. All right, everybody. I think that's it. Man, 54 minutes. Fire that off. Interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to, uh, to Saturday's matchup. Christmas Eve. Hopefully. You're in a good place. Maybe you're around family in front of a fire. I don't know. Does anybody even make fires anymore? But whatever. I just hope you guys are in a good place, able to enjoy this game, have a good time. Just, you know, we're, we're, we're it's the holidays, and I'm hoping that you're in a position where you can enjoy them and be happy and be with friends and be with family. And I just I hope that if you're listening to this, this is a good time of year. And if it's not, hang in there, man. Hang in there. There is there is light at the end of the tunnel. You have just got to walk through it, like Doctor Disrespect says. We're we're sprinting through. We're sprinting butt naked through dark alleyways, unafraid, unafraid. So if if you're in that dark alleyway, just keep sprinting. But for anybody not in the dark alleyway, I hope you enjoy your holiday. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for all the support. I love you with all my heart. Um, Be ready. Whatever happens in that Washington game, y'all know I'm going to fire off that takeaway tweet 
get in the reply, get in the replies to that tweet and be a part of that, that takeaway podcast. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold, but for another episode, y'all already know what it is. I'm Rob. This is SG, and we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.